Go ahead and grab your Bible and turn to Esther chapter 4. Esther chapter 4. We'll be in verses 13 through 17. Esther chapter number 4. Verses 13 through 17. The life of Esther, it's been rather uneventful up to this point in the account. She's gone from the care of her cousin and she's now sitting in the royal palace, isolated from the rest of the world and unaware of what's going on with her people in the city of Shushan and in the empire of Persia. And she's rather uh, clueless about, about what's taking place because of her isolation, which is by design. Ahasuerus has put her away in um, the house of the women there, and she's been protected from the outside world as property of Ahasuerus. And so really the story so far has revolved around Mordecai up to this point. Uh, he's a man who's been living in this kingdom. He's a Jewish man, of course, working in the king's gate when this evil decree is passed by Haman. Uh, and this decree was passed because of Mordecai's stand against Haman. Uh, Mordecai would not bow to Haman. He would not um, reverence Haman. He uh, he knew Haman's uh, intent, his, uh, his descendancy from the king of Agag there, and, and Mordecai wanted nothing to do with it. He would not bow down to him. We've seen how Ahasuerus, we know he's the king, but truly Haman's the one uh, pulling the strings here, it seems. Ahasuerus uh, uh, kind of lets him get away and do whatever he wants. We saw how he gave him his ring and said, um, basically, do whatever you want with it. You have my power, um, and you can do any, anything you wish. And so he passes this decree. So Esther has been isolated, and, Haman, and Mordecai's been center stage, really. But Esther is going to be faced with a decision this evening. She is going to step out of isolation, and she's going to have to make a decision. It's been standard operating pr procedure for her to conceal her identity as a Jew, but that is no longer going to be the case, as we'll see here shortly. She isn't going to be able to continue any longer to hide in the shadows. She needs to stand up and make a decision for her people. Uh, she's no longer going to be a passive character in this uh, story. She's going to be, she's going to have a main, main role. She's going to take some responsibility and put a plan into action for the deliverance of her people. It's time for Esther to step out of the house of women and into the court of Ahasuerus to make a plea and to make a petition. So tonight I want us to consider this question, who knows? Um, often in our life, we find ourselves wondering, what in the world is God doing? Uh, what's his will for my life? What does he want me to do? Why is he allowing this to happen? Why does he have me where he has me at in life? Uh, who knows? Uh, you know, sometimes we, we, we want to know every single detail about God's will for our life. We want to know every decision we have to make. We want the decisions to be made for us, so we don't have to make them, is really the reality of it. But as we'll see tonight, many times we don't know every single detail of God's will for our life. Uh, we follow the Lord, we trust Him, but you'll read through the Bible, you read about the life of Esther and you find that she was living in God's will, but had no idea that she was there in the, pre in the moment, in the present. And oftentimes we find ourselves in the same position. We like to have our, our thoughts, our expectations about what God's plan for our life ought to be. 
Um, but we're going to see this evening, sometimes we're left like Mordecai asking, uh, who knows? Who knows? And so these, these questions about what's God's will for my life, what does he want me to do with my life, where does he want me to go, why does he have me where I'm at, uh, why has he made me the way he has, these are all important questions for us to ask and to consider. But we need to be careful uh, not to presume that we can know every single detail about God's will for our life. Sometimes we have to trust Him. Uh, we have to trust His leading. I think sometimes we get the idea that we can narrow down God's will into a box that's completely defined and we know exactly everything He wants us to do. But that's certainly not always the case. And so I want us to consider tonight this thought that you don't have to know every single detail of God's will for your life in order to do something for God in your life. Uh, you can serve God and trust Him right now. And you can know that God is leading you right now uh, in your life if you would trust Him and live for Him. And, uh, and we can trust Him with the unknowns, with the details that we, don't, that we are not aware of. And so I want us to consider this question tonight of who knows. But let's pray and we'll get into the message this evening. Dear God, I thank you for this night that you've given us and for your word and for the life of Esther and Mordecai and their example um, as they lived in the midst of a hard time, Lord, in the face of death. They made some brave and uh, noble decisions uh, to live for you, to stand up for you. And Lord, I ask that you'd help us in our life as we consider your leading in our life. Many times, Lord, we don't know the future. We don't know what's around the corner. And that can make us fearful and worried. But God, we can trust you in the moment. We can trust you in our life, uh, with our present, with our future. And we don't have to be afraid. And so, Lord, I ask that you would just help us tonight as we consider this thought. And I pray that you help us to be reminded, uh, Lord, that uh, you are in control and we can trust you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that I want us to see this evening is Esther's Dilemma. Uh, in Esther's dilemma in Esther chapter 4, verse 13 and 14. Esther chapter 4, starting at verse 13, the Bible says this. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? In this dialogue that goes back and forth between Esther and Mordecai, which we looked at in a previous message, she, uh, her, she would send a message to Mordecai, and, and Mordecai would send a message back. There's this dialogue. But we see a hesitancy on the part of Esther to speak to King Ahasuerus, and plea for the deliverance of her people. But Mordecai responds to Esther in a rather abrupt way in order to get the point across that Esther needs to act. Um, she can't just sit around and do nothing. Uh, she can't sit around in isolation any longer. She needs to make a decision about what she's going to do. She needs to act. It's, it's no longer time for her to be silent. Uh, and so Mordecai tells her that she's foolish if she thinks that sitting in the palace uh, in isolation is going to keep her safe. Uh, she might have this idea in her mind that, well, I'm the queen, I'm in the palace, I'm isolated from everything that's happening, and so I'm safe. No, she's not. 
not from this decree of, of Haman's. There's a death sentence for the Jewish people, and that includes her. Um, it would be found out that she is Jewish. And this law would not only affect the Jewish people in the empire, but her as well. And so she is not safe from Haman's decree uh, if she remains silent in the palace. She's She's foolish for thinking that if she, if she believes that. And so Mordecai, uh, Mordecai lets her know that. Um, he says, For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. She'll be destroyed. Uh, there's a death sentence for the Jewish people. There's a, there's a dilemma that she faces here. What's her dilemma? She can remain quiet and silent, and isolated, and uh, thinks she's going to escape, but she'll die. Or she can risk going in to the king, knowing that it's against the law, and make a plea, and risk dying. She can risk dying in one decision, or she can risk dying in the other decision. She's faced with a dilemma. She knows, uh, she knows the law, and her initial excuse for not going to the king is, is the law, is is, uh, you know, Mordecai, if I go in, I'm going to be killed because I don't have permission. She's in a lose-lose situation in her mind. If she stays, she dies. If she goes into the king, she dies. And that's her dilemma. But Mordecai reasons with her in this passage. He tells her, again, that she, she is wrong if she thinks she will escape alive. He also reminds her here, though, of God's faithfulness to his people and God's faithfulness to his promise to his people. Mordecai reminds her that there would be an enlargement and deliverance, that it would arrive um, via another means. If uh, Esther chose to remain silent, she would die isolated, and God would still deliver his people, is what he's saying. Um, God would, uh, that, that idea of um, enlargement and deliverance, it has the idea of God would send relief to his people. He would save them. If Esther chose to do nothing, God would still deliver his people, no matter what, because God had made a covenant, a promise with Israel, and God keeps his promises. God would bring them to the promised land. And when God makes a promise, he, he keeps it. And Mordecai understood that, and Esther needed to realize that. God didn't need Esther to deliver the Jewish people. God could deliver his people with anybody he, he desired. But God had Esther in that palace, in that place, for this time. And God wanted to use Esther. Now Esther, again, as Pastor mentioned this morning, she had a free will just like you or I do. She could choose to isolate herself and die, or she could choose to have faith in God and be used of God to deliver his people from the hand of Haman. Thankfully, we know the story. We know, we know what happens. But Esther is faced with this dilemma of what am I going to do? Have you ever found yourself in a, in a dilemma? A situation where you need to make a decision you don't know what kind of decision you need to make. It seems like every possible opportunity is a terrible choice. And you don't know how you're going to respond in that situation. There are hard choices that we have to make at times in our life. Uh, some, some decisions that we make are not so simple. Sometimes they're complicated. We're going to look more at this thought of making decisions in those times towards the end of the message. But in those moments, like Mordecai, our faith needs to be in God. That if we trust Him, if we're confident in Him, we love Him, that He works all things together for good to those who love Him. And we need to, and we need to trust Him in those moments when we don't know what to do, when we're faced with a dilemma, and we, uh, and, and we don't have the answers. 
like Esther. We can trust God. So we see Esther's dilemma, but we see Esther's decision, number two. Verses 15 through 17, we see Esther's decision. Look in verse 15. Then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Go, gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go in unto the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. Esther makes a decision. She decides, I'm no longer going to be isolated. I'm no longer going to sit um, quiet in the palace walls. I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go in to see the king, even though it's against uh, the law. Esther, she realizes that Mordecai is right. If she stays silent, she dies. But if she goes into the king, there's the chance that God would uh, spare her. There's the chance that um, Ahasuerus would reach out his golden scepter and she uh, would be spared from death and that God would answer uh, her prayers. And so she makes the decision between doing nothing and doing what is fearful but brave. She trusts God and she decides to go in to see the king. She shows great faith in this moment. She declares there, uh, very famously, if I perish, I perish. And we shouldn't read that as her being careless, saying, oh, whatever happens, uh, it doesn't really matter to me. No, if, when she says, if I perish, I perish, uh, that is her turning from fear and turning to faith. Uh, in, that, in that expression, I'm reminded, I see an echo of what Christ would declare uh, 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 in, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed that the cup of death and suffering would pass from him, but he finished his prayer, nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And that's, that's uh, what I see here. Esther saying, if I perish, I perish. She's turning over from fear to faith in God and leaving it to his control. So she's surrendering herself over, over to God. She, uh, I believe that's the heart of, of Esther. She's not giving up. She's giving in to faith. And she lays, she lays down her fear and takes up a mantle of faith. That's what we're called to do in the face of fear and anxiety. We're, we're, we're to lay down our fears and to take up faith. Uh, John 14, 1, Jesus said this, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. We believe in God, believe in Christ. Trust Him. He can help us. He can, he can guide us. He can take care of those situations where we don't know what to do, and we don't know how to handle them, and we don't know the right choices to make. We can trust God. Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing. That word careful means uh, don't be anxious, don't be afraid. Uh, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We can cast all of our cares on Jesus because He cares about our cares. Uh, he cares about our cares more than we care about our cares. And so we can trust, we can, we can trust Him to uh, carry those cares and carry those burdens. We can trust in the Lord. Just like Esther had to set aside her fear for faith, uh, we, need to trust, we, need to learn to, we need to learn how to trust God and set aside our fear uh, and, and live in faith in those, in those situations. How do we see her faith in God here? We see her faith. She turns to fasting and prayer. Um, she's praying to God. Again, God is not mentioned in the book of Esther, very famously, but we know she's fasting 
and praying to God. Uh, she, she is looking to God for help in this situation. Uh, she's, she's looking to God for deliverance for her people. The law would kill her in the palace, and the law would, would kill her if she entered into King Ahasuerus' throne room unannounced. Uh, the law would bring death to her, and she needs God's help in the face of the law of Persia. Apart from seeking God's help in this situation, she is doomed by the law. And we're going to look at that in, in a minute, how it applies to us. But God is about to turn this around for Esther and for his people. But it only happens when Esther prays and fasts. And that's when our troubles and our trials and our hardships, that's the only time that they're going to change for our better is when we pray and trust God and look to him in faith. We can go through trials without praying, without trusting in God, without looking to him, and we're going to continue uh, to face those hardships and be anxious and be fearful. Instead, we need to look to God in prayer, and that's when he turns the situation around uh, for our good. And so prayer is, is, uh, is our weapon in the face of those uh, difficulties in our life. And so we see her decision. Finally, I want us to consider some applications, some thoughts for our own life. I want us to look at three, th three lessons we learn from this part of the account here. Three truths that we can apply to our own life that I hope will encourage us in our walk with the Lord. First, is that God's purposes are greater than our obedience or our disobedience. God's plans are greater than us. God can use, uh, God wants to use us, but God can use someone else if we decide that we don't want to live for the Lord. Just as we saw with Esther. Esther, God would de deliver his people if you choose to remain silent. Uh, you'll be killed, and God will bring deliverance to his people from some other place. God's purposes are greater than our obedience or disobedience. When God makes a promise, uh, he keeps his promise. Um, he will fulfill his promise, and that's why God would deliver the people of Israel with or without Esther. God would deliver his people because he's faithful. As we live for the Lord, we need to realize that God's plans are greater than us. It's not all about us. Uh, serving a ministry is not all about the attention we get from it. It's not all about how it makes us feel or, or people uh, appreciating what we do. But we serve the Lord for His glory and for His will and for, uh, for His honor in our life. Uh, when it comes to sharing the gospel, um, we can choose in our free will that we'll never tell a soul about Christ. But the gospel will still go forth because God will use uh, individuals who are faithful to Him to preach the gospel. And so the reality is, we have the choice, are we going to obey God and see the blessings that come from obedience, or are we going to make the decision to disobey God and miss out on those blessings, miss out on the opportunity for God to use us, and miss out on the opportunity to see God do something great with us in our life? It's a choice we have to make. Are we going to serve the Lord, and are we going to trust Him in our life? God wants to use us. But we need to make that step of obedience, that we're going to follow Him and serve Him and trust Him and, and, and follow His leading in our life, wherever that may be. So when we serve the Lord, we need to realize it's for His glory and for His honor. We have the opportunity to be used uh, by the Lord this evening. Or we can remain silent and have nothing to show for it in eternity. And I'm sure none of us would want that. Uh, we want God's blessings in our life. So we need to serve Him. So we see that God's purposes are greater than our obedience or disobedience. Number two, I want us to see that God's will is now. God's will is now. I'm sure if you asked Esther uh, if she was following God's will for her life when she was pulled into this beauty pageant, 
um, where she was enrolled with a bunch of other women from the empire. If you would have come with a camera and a microphone and asked her, um, aren't you thankful for uh, how God is leading you right now in your life? She might not be thinking about that at that moment. She might be thinking about this opportunity, this privilege to become the next queen and um, how lucky she is to be picked by the king. She most likely wasn't thinking about, wow, I'm in the middle of God's will for my life. We certainly see that. She's completely unaware of what's happening in the kingdom until Mordecai warns her and, uh, and tells her she needs to take action. Uh, and so, but we know in, in looking back and reading this account that even though she might not be aware she's in God's will, she's exactly where God wants her to be. She's exactly where God needs her to be. And you, you read about others in the Bible. If you would have asked Joseph when he was thrown into the pit by his brothers and sold on the auction block, standing there being, uh, being bid on by the highest bidder, if, if, if you'd have asked him right then in that moment, aren't you thankful you're in the middle of God's will? He probably wouldn't have said, uh, wouldn't, that wouldn't have been a thought in his mind, but he was right where God needed him to be to deliver his people in the future so that God could set him up. In other words, God's will is now. We might not see it. We might not know it, but we're in God's will for our life. If we love Him and we're following Him and, and we believe Him, we trust Him, God is using you right now where you're at. And that should encourage us. We shouldn't, sometimes we get so preoccupied about finding God's will that we neglect that we're in God's will. We get so preoccupied looking to something in the future that we neglect the present. We get so concerned about what God will do in our life that we forget that, uh, what God can do and is doing in our life right now. So God's will is not just a destination we arrive at. It's, it's a path. It's a lifestyle. It's a way we're walking and living. And so God's will is now. Every day we're in the middle of it. If you, live, if you love the Lord and you're living for Him, you're in God's will and He's leading you and you can trust Him. We can leave the future in God's hands knowing that He works all things together for good to those who love Him. If you're a cashier at a store, that means that you're in God's will. And you need to be the best cashier that you can be. If you're a teacher, you're in God's will. And God wants you to be the best teacher that you can be. If you're a lineman, God wants you to be the best lineman that you can be. Uh, if you're a stay-at-home mom, God wants you to be the best stay-at-home mom that you can be. Uh, if you are a grandparent, God wants you to be the best grandparent that you can be. That's God's will for your life. And He wants to use you in those areas of your life. And He can use you. But we put God in a box when we say, well... I'm still looking for God's will. He's not using me yet. Maybe one day he will. Maybe one day I'll get there. No, you're there right now, and God wants to use you right now, and he can if you would live for him and trust him. So God's will is now. It's in the present, and he's leading us. Number three, finally, I want us to see that the law cannot deliver us. The law cannot deliver us. It's a final theme I see in this part of the story here in Esther. The law had condemned the Jewish people, the law had condemned Esther. There was no safety in the law for Esther. Whether it was Haman's law to execute all of the Jews, or the law that said she couldn't enter into the palace uh, without being invited or she would be killed. The law was a sentence of death for her. It could not deliver her. And as we saw, Mordecai realized that. Mordecai realized that God's people needed a mediator, somebody who would go to the king on behalf of the Jewish people and ask for their deliverance uh, from this law. Isn't that a picture of salvation, of what God does for us? Uh, the law condemns us. 
the law shows us that we have sinned, we've broken God's law, we, and we need a mediator, somebody who could go to the King of Kings on our behalf and petition for our forgiveness and petition for our redemption and our pardon. And that's what Christ did. He's our mediator. Uh, he, he, he goes to, to God on our behalf. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. There is no other hope for mankind than a, a mediator to deliver them from the condemnation of sin that the law brings. There is no hope for salvation in the law. We cannot keep the law in order to be saved. We cannot do enough good to be saved. It is only by a mediator who purchases our redemption that we can be delivered from the condemnation of the law. And that's what Christ did on the cross. Uh, Jesus Christ is our mediator. You might be here this evening and you uh, don't know Christ as your Savior. You don't know that you're saved. He has died for you on your behalf and made a way for you to be saved and forgiven. He's your mediator before God. And you can be saved. You can put your faith in Christ and be saved uh, this evening before it's too late. He's done that for you because He loves you. And He, he died for you. And he wants you to be saved. But the, but the law will never deliver us. Uh, trying to be good enough and earn our own salvation will never work. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Will you trust in the Lord this evening to save you if you've not been saved? Uh, you can be saved. You can know Christ as your Savior this evening if you would trust Him. But the question we're left with is, uh, who knows? Perhaps God has you here tonight because... Uh, there's, there's something that you needed to hear. Maybe you're here this evening and uh, you needed to be reminded that this life is not about us. This life is not about the attention that we get from others. We don't serve God for our own fame, for our own popularity. We serve God because it's, uh, it's His will. We serve God for His glory and for others to come to Christ and be saved. Our life is, is not about us. Or perhaps you uh, need to be reminded that God's will is, is right now and you need to live doing whatever God has given you to do for His glory instead of your own glory and, and your own desires. But we live for Him and we live to point others uh, to Him. Perhaps uh, you are faced with a dilemma and you're fearful. Uh, you can trust God in the midst of those dilemmas, knowing that He works all things together for good. God knows the plans God knows the thoughts that He has for you. They're higher. They're greater than we could imagine. We can trust Him in the daily steps in our life. And we don't have to be defeated by, by fear. We can live by faith. Or perhaps you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. If that's true, you stand condemned before God. But Jesus is your mediator. And He has made salvation available to you if you would trust in Him and put your faith in Him alone. Who knows God's will? I know who does. God does. And we can trust Him with His will. And we can look to Him in faith. We can trust Him that He's working all things together for good. We can trust Him as we live for Him, as we follow Him, that He's going to lead us step by step. We can trust Him that we don't need to know all the details. We don't need to have all the answers for our life. We can simply trust Him day by day, knowing that He is working all things together for our good. So who knows? God knows. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank You for this night that you've given us and for this reminder that we can trust you in our life. Often